my gosh, is this digital, digital get down? Happy New Year. Hey. Oh, wait, it's February. Wow. Uh, welcome back to your favorite Parenting podcast. podcast. Uh, your favorite prodigal son podcast. <laughs> We're back after a long absence. Uh, we said that every time. Winter break. Winter break. In Australia, that was the norm. But it was Restaurants would be closed. Restaurants would be closed. Do you remember? It there. Oh, yeah. It's not here. No. Hmm. Uh, it's like negative fucking 20 degrees out today. So um, this is episode... I was in a work call today and people were like, oh, Australia, like the place where everything wants to kill you. Come on. I'm so over that. We must, have, talk- we must have talked about that this on the podcast. Come on. I really think it's so that more people don't go there. I think it's that an anti-immigration one? policy. Asking about the toilets going the other way and just in general saying, are things upside down? Biggest Australian. Not Australian pet peeves, but like... The, you the, get what I'm saying. Pet peeves about the Australia... Yeah. Um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like mystique. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the toilet one, I didn't, it didn't bother me so much as I didn't have a good answer. Like, they wanted a joking Because they had answer. energy efficient... That's what I would say. I'm like, yeah. the toilet just kind of went... Phew! They didn't really mm. go in a circle at all. And then people would just kind of trail off, and that would be that. So. Man, we are out of the gate storming today. I was just trying to figure out what episode number we're on. It's 103, I 103, believe. yep. Um, our 100th episode was in September, so we're but we did averaging one about one in December. I think so. I swear I remember talking about Christmas movies. I have other Christmas movie thoughts. I don't know <laughs> if it's worth it at this point. Um, I feel like we at least have to talk about Angels in the Snow. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you screw the, ag- for screw the, the agenda. We're, you picked this one for the record. We're doing an audible. I love I love your energy and your position right My now. Stance. You've never faced me this directly before. <laughs> Is it working for you? It's a it's a audio only podcast. Um, do you want to explain to the people Angels mm. in the Snow? Sure, we're gonna kick off with that. We are. I'm dead serious. I think this was a I think this was a Pluto find. Um. Watching Pluto TV just kind of makes me feel dirty, like a little bit. <laughs> it just makes me feel, but not really sad though. Sad and poor. Because if you pay for pot, if you pay for Comcast, you still watch commercials. But these are like the Pluto is like. Version. What will the studios give us? It's like the Dollar Tree version of. Yeah, it is. Of, it's a Dollar Tree yeah. streaming. Yeah, service. Yeah. Anyways, they had a, a holiday channel as they would, and. This like came on during lunchtime or something, and I was like, "Oh, maybe it's gonna be like Hallmarky." And I forget what hooked me, but I was hooked. They get stranded in a snowstorm for yeah. no real reason at their f- mansion of a cabin. Right, they have to get to the cabin even though they don't. And then it's a mansion. Yeah. And then like random people show up from the snowstorm and yeah. spend the like the couple days with them and. Like, fix their family? It seemed basically. like it was going to be the movie Us. Don't, that you can't, you're not allowed to mention that movie at night. Yeah. And we'll I know. Be able to sleep. Um, it was the opposite of that movie. God, it was such a bad dad in this movie, Christmas and the Angels, yeah, whatever it was called. And the kids were all terrible, yep. and the little girl was super annoying. And then in the end, they were dead all along. Spoiler it was a sixth sense situation. No one even has Pluto to even the, watch. The this Black movie. Family was dead though. The Black Family, right? They was killed dead. off the Black Family. They were like preemptively killed off the Black Family. Yeah. They were just like the absolute epitome of a stereotype of like the kind Black Family, like being a plot device to fix the yeah, white. The magical, family. yeah, Black yeah. people, yeah. magical, mystical Black Family. 
I felt like I had a bit to do about that movie, but it's escaping me. The, the part where the dad goes outside and gets like lost in the snow. Yeah. And gets hit in the head. That doesn't sound funny when no, you say no, that. No. It, yeah. It's, uh, mistletoe mix-up was the one we had a bit for. Yeah. Joey Lawrence We had to have already talked we about that one. We did not already talk You're about that one. Me. No, we didn't. One of the oh, worst Christmas movies film. I've ever seen. Man. And this is my hot An take Amazon on this Amazon Prime one. one, too, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And, like, the way the Lawrence Brothers... Like, the way the title sequence and just the vibe you get from the Lawrence Brothers, like... It felt like this was kind of a passion project for them. Their mom was in it as their grandma. <laughs> That's a great bit of trivia. A great bit of trivia. You would just it just you just got the sense that they had been working on the script for like years. And the, the creepy brother was the best part of the whole movie. Yeah, I remembered Andy Lawrence from like the, the my Lawrence end brothers. of my I don't even think it was on the show, Brotherly Love. Mm-hmm. I remembered him from my the end of my run uh being obsessed with Disney Channel original movies. Got he had a couple, it. like, really bad ones. I thought he was on... Is he, was he in Horse... What was that one about... Yeah. Horse that's how I learned what a, what a um, pyramid scheme is. <laughs> I don't recall the plot details very well. Um, anyways, yeah, I don't... We just got hit on the highlights of this the movie. the one where they worked at a garage. Was that that's what I love, yeah. This movie, the best character was not any of the Lawrence... The most amazing character was the female lead, who was... Work obsessed. The most blank slate. Uh, Molly, what's Molly Sue? What's it called? Mary Sue. Mary Sue. Of a character. <laughs> Molly Ringwald. Um, normally in these Hallmark movies, like they at least give you like five minutes of the job development to be like, oh wow, this girl is a workaholic. She needs to find time for love. She was a baby photographer's <laughs> assistant. And very very part time. And they didn't even cast a best friend character. They just cast one person right. to be her best friend. And her boss and the black friend. And they kept going, oh, Mary Sue, you're you're too obsessed with work. And she'd like check her phone like once and be like, she's not, she's fine. And her job isn't a job that you no. could possibly be overworked at. <laughs> um, and then, then the... You're going to get like, into the baker? Yeah, the solution to the entire movie. So the the premise of the movie is the two Lawrence brothers are fighting over the same woman. Right. Uh, woman's a, str- a stretch. The same, like, puppet. And yeah. they're both super creepy. Uh, who's the oldest? Joey? Uh, yeah. Especially Ma- Matthew creepy. Is the, is the boy mates world one. My but yeah, goodness. I would just skip ahead and say the moral of the story is if you can't get the first blonde you see... Find go to the one you blonde. saw before that. And the blonde you used to date yeah. and just go back to her and it'll be fine. With that profitable small um, town bakery. Do you recall the scene where the grandma just rides off on a horse into the, the night? Yep, that was a highlight. Yeah. I need a gif of that. Also, like, the plot holes about how she gets to the... Yes, she borrows boss's her boss's cabin. cabin and when she gets there, which is hours away from wherever they work, yeah. the boss has left like her a handwritten note. Yeah. But the boss is not, the boss is like away for the winter, which yeah. is why she couldn't use the cat. Yeah, it just, mm-hmm. no, they had no editor aside from each other and no. it was, yikes. Um, I was just going to talk about one other holiday book. Sure. Holly Jolly Diwali uh-huh. I read very mouthful of a title out loud mm. um but i appreciated it i was getting a little bit sick of just like cheesy holiday books and this one was clearly about diwali i didn't think that you were much of a holiday genre reader and now you have a whole plan you're ready at the library okay. for next year already 
this year I struggled for a number of reasons getting into the holiday spirit. Mm-hmm. We had the big the big C O V I D. Yeah. Uh, so I was gonna say the big C, but people call it cancer, yeah. so I changed yeah. my mind. Um, and so I like had no holiday spirit. I was trying to channel my holiday spirit into books. I wasn't really feeling mm-hmm. reading because I had been sick, and I wasn't really feeling doing holiday things so i was trying to just like fulfill that that we're gonna kind of talk about a holiday book in a little bit we are um but yes i have a plan for next year well don't tell anyone other people will steal your idea that's true i have a plan that involves the library and airplane (laughs) mode on my kindle and also involves getting the books that are on sale now so that next year they'll be sitting on my kindle already i don't know if it was just the the types of bad movies that we decided to watch this past christmas but I was like, none of these things are Christmassy. Mm. And I really think that they just bought, like, the worst scripts and were like, we'll set it in December. It's fine. I think we've, um, the, the bubble has burst on Hallmark yeah. movies. Is that how you phrase it? Yeah. Like, they've run out of things. Correct. It's, they, like, I know people joke about the script where it's, like, just pick the baker right. and the city pick a small town, and, yeah. the, <laughs> and the dog and just make a movie about it. But, <sighs> um... All right. What else we and got? Unless Christmas mean Christmassy news, um, I finished the bold type. We did, babe. We we finished. I dragged we you did. along for the journey, mostly because we thought we were going to have to cancel Hulu because of Spotify. Because right. fuck Joe Rogan. Right. Um, and we are we are no longer premium members. Yeah. So, um, I thought we were going to cancel Hulu, and I was like, I just need to finish the bold type. I've been dragging this show out so much. I finally went back and finished it. Yeah fucking rough end of season four and beginning of season five mm-hmm. like just oof. but the last episode like gave me the warm fuzzies of like circling sure. back a lot to like how the show started and stuff even so. with jan from the office becoming like a weird mugatu fairy godmother <laughs> is how yeah. i would describe it the last episode wasn't as bad about that the yeah. earlier the ones leading up to it were yeah. my biggest thing was the richard thing like all of a sudden Ugh. i don't know i didn't agree with that but i finished the bolt type it was a good like CW-esque show. Mm-hmm. It was like a very um, watered down, hyper relevant gossip girl. Yeah. Like now you're gonna start your rewatch of um, Switched at Birth. Switched at Birth and Rain. Teenage I never finished Secret Rain. American Life. I never watched that one. Oh, you did? No, I did yes, not. Yes, that's how I knew that girl. And I was like, I wow, she's a terrible actress. Not. I absolutely a hundred percent. Oh my god, you absolutely did. We're no, wait, I'm not having this on the podcast. I never <laughs> watched that show. It was advertised. The one I'm talking about with Shailene Woodley. I never watched that show. Then I watched it on my own. Or your sister watched it. Hmm. I did not watch that show. Your okay. sister watched it when you were living at home. That could be. I did not watch that show. Noted. Put my foot down about that. I watched Switch <laughs> at Birth. I watched Rain. I watched a lot of other shitty shows. I never watched that one. Okay. Um, speaking of other shitty shows, um, I'm not that shitty. Sex Lives of College Girls. You also kind of half watched the show. Yeah, I think it was about 30% in the end. I, I missed most of the boobs, unfortunately. There was a lo- you, you kept coming in and being like... This girl only ever does this one thing, but it's because you were only coming into those scenes. Um, I enjoyed it. I had heard some mixed things, so I kind mm-hmm. of went in thinking, eh, it was like a shortest show one season so far. And um, I enjoyed it. I thought it struck a good balance between, you know, the slightly outrageous partying scenes and things mm-hmm. and like the actual awkwardness of going to college and meeting your roommates and like trying to figure college shit out. Sure. 
um, because it follows, you know, freshman girls at college for the first month or two of being there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think sometimes, I never watched Booksmart, but I think, or what was that one with Aubrey Plaza? I feel like I don't always Mm -hmm. relate to the shows where it's like, I'm going to go out and have a ton of sex because I never did that before. And like, that's the entire premise of the show is like, like super bad, but for girls. Right. Which, sure, female presenting people can have a super bad too. Mm -hmm. But I also just kind of like, don't really relate to that premise. Like, I don't know a ton of people who just were like, let's go sex crazy all of a sudden just because I've never crossed off my list or whatever, the you know, Mm -hmm. like that trope. But then you also have like, you know, the super awkward shows like, well, this one's about middle school, but Pen 5, Pen Mm -hmm. 1 5 or whatever, where it's like hyper awkward. I thought this show did a good balance of, of being more realistic. Like one of the characters is a little sex crazy another character like gets a boyfriend yeah um but then they're also like awkward and struggling in their classes and struggling in social interactions and so you're saying it was balanced kind of yeah it was Mm -hmm. well balanced it wasn't so far as to be a trope on either side where it was like all awkwardness or all just like orgies and parties like i found it a good balance and i think i mean it was a little bit one note like each character kind of had like one plot Mm -hmm. for most of it as you said, there was the one girl who was poor. Yeah. And then there was the one girl who's the secret, has a secret about her sexuality. Yeah. And then there's, you know, so there's like, they're a little bit one note, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was better than I expected. I'd seen some people loved it and I'd seen a lot of people also like not great things about it and I enjoyed it. Okay. Um, I also enjoyed it more than other Mindy Kaling shows, I think. I knew you had um, an opinion on that. Never have I ever. I, I like, but... It does have a little bit too much of like the one main character just being a little bit like boy That's crazy John or Mac sex crazy. One? Yes. Interesting. She sold to different networks. And then this one, I just, I guess I think I've related to this one a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a couple of random things. Sure. And then we can mm. go to newses. And I have a new segment. Well, we're I'm not even newses yet. No. Okay. I have a new segment I'm going to suggest. Oh, but. Boy, yeah. We're going to need that laptop charger then. <laughs> um,. I read Richard Powers' new book mm. as my last book of last year. Oh, shoot. We need to do our reading wrap-up, too. Oh, shit. Okay. Oh, boy. Uh, well, I guess I'll do mine. Okay. I'll try and prep mine. So, I read Bewilderment. Are you going to have me read it to talk the about follow-up. the podcast or I not? think we agreed no. Okay. I had The follow-up to the yes. overstory. I had my expectations, like, reasonably in place like knowing that it was not going to live up to my love of the overstory um i struggled with the book in a few different ways it almost brought me some reassurance that it wasn't like another work of genius in some ways because i would have been a little bit scared if he had like hit two grand slams in a row like that would have been like intimidating as a amateur writer sure um but this feels like almost like he took uh, a couple plots from like the scrap heap of things that got cut from the overstory and like repackaged them a little bit. Into I don't think that's actually what he did. But basically, it's, it's a short very book. Short. Yeah, short book. The overstory. I'm, I'm only pointing oh, out because very the overstory true. was right. like 800. It's pages. basically right where that had like seven internet connected stories. This has like two basically. Um, and yeah, it, it it dealt with a lot of themes that I should have really enjoyed, like climate change and uh it gets back into nature and trees and that kind of stuff um but just it just didn't quite land for me in a lot of different ways there was a lot of dead mom stuff Mm. 
And she's like the perfect wife ever in like the afterlife. Yeah. And there was just flashbacks to how perfect she was. And when it get got into the climate change stuff, the son in the book tries to become like a Ger- uh, Greta. Greta. Yeah, Tinder. thank you. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't go that well for him. But it ends up just being a very like negative novel, which I totally understand given the state of the world that we're in. It just didn't leave me feeling with like any sort of optimism, really. Do you have the book Weather on anywhere it's near your on to my to read list? But like yes, you keep saying it is. I only have 62 books on my to read list. I'm going to get to them. So. Uh, I'm interested to see, to see your take on that one. Mm-hmm. It, it is much more a little bit of, I wouldn't call it a comedy, but like absur- an absurdist speculative kind of fiction about climate change. Go. And it's, uh, if you ever read it, we should maybe pair it with Don't Look Up if we ever watch that Yeah, movie. we should. Yeah, okay. I think that would be an interesting pairing because um, it's a little bit similar where it's like, it, almost this acceptance of the end of the world is coming and a little bit of hope and a little bit of frustration mm-hmm. and just I felt like it struck a very natural relatable balance of how people actually feel about the climate sure. crisis and like for me someone who was like very concerned about it and yet also like drives a car and lives in a house and flies in planes it's sure. like it, this kind of balance of like you know that the end is coming and yet you just have to buy groceries and do your laundry yeah um so yeah, remind me somewhere that we should pair it with Don't Look Up. Um, and All I right. know you'll never read it because you mm. hate the cover, but How High We Go in the Dark is supposed to be another mm-hmm. like good I could read an e-book. I just didn't want to feature it on Book Digits. Good segue. Because the cover, the alignment of it just really irked me. That would me. be another one if you were interested okay. in the climate side of it. I've heard that it's a little bit depressing, but um, I've heard All really right, good we got our stats pulled up from 2021 on bookdigits.com. Books, books read. 41 for me. 104. I think I'm going to win one of these categories. Okay, pages read. 12,609. 32,457. You didn't double me up, though. I read a lot of short books. Wait, how many was yours? 32,000. Oh, yeah, I can't do math. You clearly doubled me, yeah. Average page count. You go. 308. 318. Ah, damn it. I thought I would win that one. How quickly did you read books? Slow for me. Five days per book. Exactly what I normally do. A week a book. Average grade? C plus. B. Wow. How many points did you earn? 400 even. Wow. I got 179. Okay. How many A's? 24. Two for me. I will say, though, <laughs> that the majority of those were A minuses. I gave I gave very few actual A's. Well, yeah. We'll look at our top on. books. Yeah. But, um, so I gave out the most C's. I gave out 18. I gave, I gave out, out 17 C's. Okay. About the same amount I gave out no percentage. F's. How about you? No. I don't really okay. give out F's anymore because I start i've done a lot of dnfing yeah do not finish and so. we just added uh your percentage of fiction versus non-fiction yes mine was 90 percent fiction 10 percent non-fiction 85 percent fiction hmm. 15 i think that's my highest 15 percent non-fiction i think i read 10 non-fiction books so pretty good for what me. was your best month um november i read 14 i thought i good did Lord. badly in november i remember november being like oh the end of november i was like i'm sick yeah this was a weird month short month a short month yeah. and i was like how the fuck did i read 14 books but one day per book 14 books. i read no more than five books in a month my highest page count was uh 1525 in a month my worst was february march and may which makes sense because i was still teaching and mm-hmm. absolutely drowning so um can I ask a question? Your best month, were mm-hmm. they your highest or lowest grades? Interesting. Um, C, on the lower end of the spectrum. 
I think that's it for me because if I'm liking a book, I read more because it's addicting and I want to keep yeah. reading if I'm not reading very many books. All right, so I'm going to click on mine and see what my top book officially was of the year. Sort by grade high. Hopefully we find no bugs, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. <laughs> I only gave out two A's on the on the year. One was James Baldwin, Fire Next Time, A-. I told you, that was a suggestion for me that I made you the read. The other one was Home Before Dark, A-. minus. Riley Sager. Yeah. I gave out six A's. And no A pluses at all. Okay. And six A's. So my six A's were, sorry. Well, one of them's a reread. Six A's. Yeah. Um, I added that in as you asked. Crown Chasers and Thronebreakers. Book and sequel. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, okay. I was going to say, they sound quite similar. Book and sequel. Um, a to both, which I think wow. is rare. A duology. Both got an A. Um, Honey Girl. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. We talked mm-hmm. about that on the podcast, I think, a little bit at least. Um Revolution of Bertie Randolph, a YA that just, that's the one I like, was like, told you the entire plot point of because I just like needed to talk about yeah, how yeah, crazy yeah. it was. Um, Between Perfect and Real, which yep. I made you read. I had to be something for that one. And A Psalm for the Wild Built, a novella. I think, did I tell you to read that one? Mm, I don't think I don't so. I feel like it's very short, 100 pages, 160 pages. It's by Becky Chambers, who's like a much beloved sci fi author, and I like didn't uh-huh. love her first one, A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. Okay. Um, and it, I didn't love that full book, but I like adored this novella, and mm. she's coming out with a sequel to it. Um, a, something for the crown, shy. Um, All right, you I'm s- excited mm. about that one. You sort that list by worst. Well, I know grade. what the worst one is, mm. and I feel like it's blasphemous for me to say it during Black History Month. So, I thought that was a book you just finished. This should be from last year. No, the one that I didn't like from last year was about a, a black girl in publishing. And mm, okay. it's, it's called The Other Black Girl. It did not work for me. Mm-hmm. It tried to do this um, to bring up us again. Mm. Um, but it did kind of like, or or get out. It did that kind of like bait and switch at the end where you think it's just like about, like a kind of allegory about. So that was about, me with this one when no one, was, when no one is watching by this goal. You would think like it's just an allegory about, allegory about racism. And then in the end, there like spoilers if you want to read it yeah. i've heard a lot of mixed things about it in the end there was like some sort of hair product that was like making them act white or something oh so like you think it's just like this weird like racial kind of thing and then in the end there's like this fantastical almost sci-fi element that really ruined it for mm. me i just did not i did not find it believable i don't think it worked well speaking of books that you told me to put on my to-read list. My worst book of last year was *The Bright Lands* by John Fram, which you had somehow found and recommended to me. So you get credit for that. Okay. Uh, I never read it. I'm very good at um, at suggesting books that I've never <laughs> read to people. That's how I get all my uh, Christmas books for people too. Let me see if there's any other ones that were really low for me. Hmm. Um, My top themes of last year were family, relationships, Native American, coming of age, and humor. Other ones that I just didn't really like. Anna Kay, I didn't like. Lots of retellings that I didn't like. Anna mm. Kay, I didn't like, which is Anna Karenina retelling. Retellings are awful. Lost in the Neverwoods was that one that was that Peter Pan retelling that I really didn't like. Yeah, that was disturbing when you um, described it to me. The Silence of the Girls was a retelling of, um, like... Um, the Odyssey that I really didn't mm-hmm. like. I oh, can't wait till our Cersei um, week. Oh boy, it's coming up soon. Clash people. of Steel was a Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, no, Treasure Island remake uh-huh. that I wanted to like and I really didn't. 
majesty was like a American royalty kind of uh, alternate history. Did not like. Anyways. All right. What well, was I, I looking that's a good at? My top up. themes and things. Yeah, if you go back to your stats page. Top authors the yeah. were KJ Charles, um, Rebecca Coffendaffer, which is the Too duology good. I liked. Ronnie Lauren, I really liked um, their um, romance, contemporary romance books that I read. Mm. Justina Ireland was Dread Nation and the sequel to that that I read early in the year and liked. Wait, so your top author, how many books is it? I had no author with more than one book last year. Oh, KJ Charles, I read six of their books. Lord. Well, they just write yeah, I know. like queer romances that are really quick to read. The rest of them were two books. Okay. Themes? Um, family, friendship, LGBT romance, contemporary romance, grief. Oh, gosh. Got I, I read so many sad books, but mm. also lots of romances in there. So that's just a sneak peek of what you get at BookDigits.com. The beautifully re- redesigned Book Digits with more things coming. Every time you say you're going to stop yeah. working on it, you've just... There's graphs coming, people. You have there to use graphs. so much trigonometry. It's Man, not even funny. if anybody out there has ever tried to do line graphs in with PHP. pure pure CSS and PHP, it was the strangest, most annoying computer science thing I've ever tried to do. Anyways. It had me Googling PHP yeah. things, which I'd was I'd say within the next helpful. month, you should be seeing some pretty new graphs on your stats page. Do we want to do any newses? I've got some like, rapid fire I've got really quick newses. things. I'll, I'll wrap mine up. Uh, I need to talk about the matrix real quick. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, I my... did a puzzle. Can we talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> there you go again with the... Uh... Squirrel, squirrel. What was the other? Th- God. I was joking because of the Matrix. That's I what know. I did while you watched the Matrix. I, I know. Did a, that's how much I didn't want to watch the Matrix. Was I did a puzzle mm. with your mom? My father and I were looking for a bonding activity, and I said, "Well, we'll have a couple hours every night after the baby goes to sleep. The new Matrix is out on HBO. Let's. We got four nights together. Let's do one a night. By night two, I was like asleep from." I, I, I obviously remembered how bad the sequels were because that's how all people remember about them. But, like, they were, like, painfully annoying to watch. And then we got to the fourth one. I was cracking up for, for the, the first, first like, 45 minutes. Yeah, like, I was so like, invested. Oh, yes. We have, like, a queer Morpheus. We have, like, a weird overlap between the old movies and this new one. So much, like, meta, like, really sharp commentary about the sequels and the original and stuff and then 45 minutes in they go okay here we go the heart and soul of this movie franchise has always been how great we are at telling a love story and i was just like what are you talking about Mm -mm. people love the matrix because of how innovative it was both from a technical filmmaking aspect and just a storytelling like mm-hmm. not that it was the first time anyone was ever like oh i wonder if the world we're living in is not real but like just the way they went about it was what was so amazing about the original and yeah it's just it turns into a sappy romance where love conquers all and i was just like wow i can't believe i wasted two and a half hours on that i had a great time i literally just checked out with you listening listening to you talking about the Mm -hmm. matrix um i chose to do a puzzle with your mother Mm -hmm. and it was great it was the most accomplishment i'd felt in weeks probably that we finished that goddamn puzzle Mm -hmm. in the four nights that we had and um 
We did it. That's my biggest accomplishment of the year so far, probably. So. <laughs> Last year. No, it was this year. Oh, yeah, it was. You're right. Okay. Um, quick one minute on the Australian Open. Sure, I've, that was one of my newses. Yeah, I've like Fuck not you, been into sports that I normally would be. Like, I have no interest in going to watch the Olympics right now, even though I saw headlines about Nathan Chen. I think I'm still scarred from whatever it was now five years ago. I have no idea, but... I'm just scarred um, from COVID. I Like, COVID yeah. is still, like... I've seen all the pictures of waitresses in like full PPE to give people their drinks and yeah. it's just so it's such a dystopian mindfuck that I also they have to do all fake snow because nowhere has enough snow to yeah. guarantee the Olympics anymore it's like how about we don't do an event that's going to cause so much more climate change that's going to make that even worse I yeah. whatever um so yeah Australian Open I think we can skip past most of the Novak stuff I'm glad the Australian government found its testicles and I hope kicked him out on try number three or whatever it and was. And I hope they stick to the three-year, mm. at least, ban of entering the country for trying to literally lie. I understand that the, the man wants to make money and wants to maintain his spot on top of the tennis world, but he put himself in such a dumb situation. Either you were admitting that you were spreading your contagious disease to children and other people or admitting that you or, falsified your results yes and it's just like how did anybody on his team think a will get away with this and b those two options one of them will be fine yeah some level of white privilege um or just rich first social class privilege so, yeah. um I, we have friends in melbourne and they were just like anywhere else in australia he might have gotten away with it melbourne yeah. has had had something like 200 Gone out of the last lot, days yeah. out of the year last year in lockdown so melburnians were like not playing yeah. with the covid stuff so yeah good for them. my boys federer and uh team neither of them were playing and i don't know if it's just rafa's like receding hairline and just him being so old but i was like good for you bud like I, I, I had no negative feelings about him winning at all. I feel like usually Rafa's um, like go-to expression at the end of a match, even at the end of a tournament, mm-hmm. is like relief. Yeah. And this time he He's like was giggly. joyous. Yeah. Like the look on his face was absolutely like disbelief yeah. and pure bliss, and I it made me tear that, up. That's when you know that you're like getting to the stage of your career and like you're actually like maturing. I feel like if you can just be like wow, I didn't need this, but it happened, and it probably will never happen again, but... And he basically kind of said he was going to retire, but now that he won and the crowd was so favorable towards mm-hmm. him and he had such a great experience that he'll try to come back again. Um, it, it seemed like he had a retirement speech planned, yeah. and he was just so happy that he like walked it back. Yeah. Under news I don't care about, which mm-hmm. is my new segment, Tom Brady. Got it. Period. Um the only other sports I've cared about, speaking of football, was the end of that Chiefs-Bills game. I got really into it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that no interest in the stuff that I've that I've liked a lot the last couple of years, but football actually drew me in a little bit. I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Like, the NFL is corrupt. The entire world is corrupt. Like, the NFL is worse than a lot also, of places, I'm sure. Also, you allegedly illegally streamed it, so you didn't give them any money that's anyway. That's very true, yeah. <laughs> but now... Now they're being sued, rightfully so. We were talking about yes. the Brian Flores situation a little bit. Yes. Um, I hope he gets money. It's not I... a new issue in football. You learned, did you understand what the uh, Rooney rule is, I think it's called? You ha- It's basically affirmative action yeah, for Yeah, the diversity yeah, interview right. situation. Um, but still, when you look at the stats, like you know that most of the coaches in 
owners and things are white, and you know that a lot of the players are black, but when you look at the stat that yeah. 70% of the players are black, mm-hmm. and like 3% of the coaches are black, and then the owners, it's probably even less than that. It's like mm-hmm. probably 1%. One out of 30, or, maybe. One out yeah. of 32, yeah. Well, that's the same thing as the coaching yeah, right, staff, right. though. So 3%, I guess, maybe one. And if you if you look at the entire like leadership, like owners, GMs, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, I'm sure it's even less than that. Um, and so, the whole case is going to come down to a, a text message from Bill Belichick, which, which is, is amazing. Which is just amazing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, fuck Sarah Palin, too. I was going to say that with the COVID yeah. stuff. She had COVID, so her trial had to be pushed back. And then right. she's been at restaurants oh, and yeah. all over the place in New York. And they literally had to put out a PSA saying, if you've Stay been in contact with Sarah woman. Palin, <laughs> go get tested because she has COVID. Because she's been like taking pictures of people at, people at restaurants and stuff. Um, do you want to do any personal good or bad news? I may have dreamed it, no? but I got a pop-up saying Rudy Giuliani was on The Masked Singer. Yes, and people are upset about it. Wow. It's the same thing like they had the fucking press guy on the Tickets to go to Stars or whatever. My last note was here about iMessage because you said you had a real passionate yes. hot take here. Um, well, there's been the whole debate about saying that like Gen Z... Are and people bullied because they have green bubbles? What's the next level down from Gen Z? That's all there is right now. We don't know what our son is. But what about like elementary and middle schoolers right now? Are they Gen Z? And they're going to be caught in between, probably. But yeah, I'm thinking my, my like my middle school students. They're Gen Z. Yes, correct. Them up to like college kids right now are Gen Z. I would say in college now, yeah. And then we're still we're the old millennials or we're young millennials. We were we were right in the sweet spot. Okay. Mm. Anyways, um, it, and it happened. My student, one of my students, bullied me because I te- well, she always bullied me anyway. But um, I t- I like have a Google Voice number that I use for like parents and students and things, and she was like, "Why is it green? Is your phone broken?" And she like was didn't think it was me because she knew I had an iPhone and it wasn't coming up as a blue bubble. Um, my biggest quibble mm-hmm. is the like emoji feature. So like you can like on on iMessage you can like heart yeah. or thumbs up a message yeah. like a reaction. You can react oh, to a message. This is timely. They just fixed it. They just added support for it on Android. It's not going to do the thing anymore? No, it's going to actually show the reaction. Oh, thank the Lord. You've, you're it, you're in group I, messages I made a for the first time messages. in a while. Yeah. Um, well, my other group message are on WhatsApp, which is, yeah, is better. Um, Owned by Facebook. Oh, fuck off. Um, but it's... What was I trying to say? Oh, in iMessage, when you're in a group message, if yeah. you like or react to something and it's like a long message, the full message gets repeated and it mm-hmm. says so-and-so liked <laughs> and then it copies the full message. Yeah. So I'm in a couple it different threads very with clear people. About what they like. I'm in a couple different threads with people where like a, a kind of like former teacher's thread with some people that I used to work with and yeah. then a thread for a, an upcoming wedding. And it's like long paragraphs of just like, here's this thing that happens to me today or like here's these logistics we're trying to, trying to plan. And yeah. it is so hard to parse through the messages when like you get two messages and then you get six messages messages that are just reactions to the two messages but they're like this long okay babe you convinced me let's let's talk about a film so we're talking about a movie that everyone is talking about oh my gosh so hyped and mostly deserved i think so we're gonna like very much join in the the crowd Mm -hmm. do what the cool kids are doing and talk about encanto oh that's what we're talking about yes (laughs) um so I started seeing this movie like everywhere on the internet, on um, Bookstagram, Instagram specifically. Mm-hmm. 
and I was like, I'm probably gonna like this when I watch it, but I like want to be ready to watch it. You were like really psyching yourself up. I didn't want to just like turn it on and half watch it with our son, with our son, which is what I sometimes do with Disney movies and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to like actually focus on it and listen to the songs and stuff. I think the most impressive thing about it is that our son, who is barely two years old, sat and watched the whole thing straight through on the couch. And, like, this kid likes TV, mm-hmm. but if he, if it's not something that he's, like, super engaged does in... not 90 minutes in him, no. No, he does not usually have that much attention span. Which is good, because then, like, he will he knows what his limits are with TV. And once he gets bored, he'll yell, no TV, no TV, and then go play with something, so... It's one of my greatest takeaways and... and happiest things in my life right now is that he was not born during the frozen craze (laughs) and that we have this instead like i still don't think let it go is a catchy song it's too broadway i still don't really care about either of the girls plights um so encanto was not my favorite movie ever but i'm fine with the soundtrack and uh yeah i'm glad it's not frozen my uh only negative about the soundtrack is i wish it was a teeny bit longer Mm. Um, it's like a pretty tight movie. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel the same way about other Disney movies. I remember with, is Coco Disney? Yes. I remember song. it being like, what a great soundtrack is going to have. And then you go right. listen to it and it's like three songs <laughs> with like a couple different re- repri- reprises. Correct. Reprise. Mean? Yeah. Reprises. Mm. How do you pluralize? Um, so Sometimes I'm going to go back to all of our podcasts and stitch together you either making up words or like trying to figure out things like that so kind of you what a nice gift that will be to me someday <laughs> um anyways so it's not certainly not unique to this movie that sometimes like the soundtracks are a little bit short mm-hmm. but we've listened to it like extensively yeah, it needs, like another like three to four it tracks needs another, like two to three songs i was yeah. gonna say just um, give us the b-sides the cut yeah. songs yeah um did you both- know manuel did the music Actually, I didn't know when we first watched the movie. I genuinely uh-huh. didn't know anything hey, about the movie. Hey, here's so. my, here's my um, good feedback for Lin-Manuel. Like, this was the first thing he's done that I wasn't like, oh, it's 100% him. Like, I heard elements of him in the first couple songs, but uh, I think he kind of disguised his some of his crutches a little bit. Well, he I watched one um, behind-the-scenes thing about talking about kind of the... Well, first of all, that he wanted to be involved from the from the ground up because uh-huh. he kind of slightly complained a little bit with Moana, Moana. that mm-hmm. they kind of threw him in at the end to like write a couple songs, mm-hmm. and he didn't feel like he had like a ton of creative control or like was able to like be, be part of the story. It. It yeah, be just, part of the story. Yeah. It was just like, can you come in and help us with a few songs? Mm. Um, so he specifically asked them that he wanted to like be in it from the beginning next time and he was open to like whatever project but he wanted to start right away with them that's fair um to the point that he had input on character names um because he needed them to rhyme yeah a little (laughs) bit he said that um they came to him a couple times because he had started writing some of them just based on the character sketches and they said do you have any input on the character name and one of the options was Bruno and he mm-hmm. was like yes give me that one because mm-hmm. I guess he already had like the no 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 mm-hmm. we don't talk about so and so no no yeah. no so Bruno just like anyways but he was saying that he went to Colombia mm-hmm. and they did they did a couple of weeks of like a research trip where they traveled around Colombia and met with different artists and like got to experience like live music from different parts of the country and the different like influences on the music so man I think... they should have taken a trip to Washington Heights before they made <laughs> 
I also think that to Lynn's credit or Lynn's defense a little bit, like In the Heights was like his college project. Absolutely. We, co- we covered then, this with Elizabeth. But uh, yeah, I'm just yeah. saying like In the Heights was his college project and Hamilton I, was like his professional version yeah. of that. Where he I took, honestly don't blame him for the movie. It was, I don't know why they hired the director they did. And she was, she was the, the director of the He was, show. John Cho was the director of Hamilton. No, Kiara was on the In the Heights production, the Broadway production. The director? Kiara something. I don't think you're right. Okay. In the Heights, the movie was directed by an Asian man. Oh, that director. Sorry, yeah. the the production person. Got it. Like a producer. The producer. Sorry. Okay. Okay. The producer right. was Kiara, who was involved on both. Okay. Uh, anyways. Yeah. Um, but yes, I think that those were like almost intentionally like. In the uh, Hamilton, he like just built off of In the Heights and used a lot of the same themes and the same, mm-hmm. um, the same motifs and things like that. Yeah. This movie, he didn't write the story, right? Right. So like, I think he had to go a little bit with their story first of all. But I also think that he, I mean, he's improving. Like he is learning a lot. And uh, I know I, I found myself laughing because when you get to the end and you have the sisters like singing back and forth, I'm like. He just did the Skylar sisters, but I was like, he didn't write the script, but like you still hear the same notes of like yeah. satisfied and and those songs. So and I was the, like, even the betrothed thing, like yeah, he's betrothed to another whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I genuinely did not know he wrote the music until like halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't even know where the movie where it was based. I didn't know anything about the movie aside from the names of a couple of the songs, based on like memes that I was seeing. Yeah. Um. I I appreciated the movie. First of all, everyone knows I'm a little bit of a sucker for like a Latino beat. Mm-hmm. I do like that type of music and that like for me it makes it very fun to listen to and dance to and sing to because it's much more fun to dance around to it than yeah. to Frozen like you said. Yeah. Um so I have a lot of fun dancing around to it. Um but I also just really liked the story. I, the, it, we're going to yeah, connect let's this. Let's get into this. We're going to connect this to the book that we're going to talk about today too, but mm-hmm. I appreciated that it wasn't like an epic quest across years and countries and mountains and I I appreciated that it was it was like a smaller a smaller like the stakes were smaller but mm-hmm. felt as high mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's not Lord of the Rings. She wasn't trying to save right? the whole world. I love yeah. Lord of the Rings. I do. But it's like an epic quest that is just like very much bigger than you and bigger than me and yeah. and all that. And I appreciate. I feel like there's a little bit of a trend with TV shows and I mean um, movies and books and things that I've been seeing recently that are like intentionally moving away from that mm-hmm. and focusing more on like a specific family or a specific moment or a specific neighborhood even or yeah. like in the Heights you could even argue was similar where it's the the stakes of whether Usnavi is going to move or shut down his shop or not. I, yeah. I mean, I know there's it ties into some bigger gentrification issues and things, but it's still kind of a... I agree with you mostly, I think. Like, this movie did keep faking me out. Like, I kept being like, okay, here's where she's going to go on her journey. Right. Here's where she's going to leave the and, town. Because yeah. she's basically like... She's not treated very well in the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think the first half is very tight. But yeah, once she gets into Bruno's tower and gets the vision, I kind of kept waiting for like it to take off. 
in a certain direction and it didn't which i i agree with you that it's okay that it doesn't hit every beat that that type of movie normally would but i'm not as sold on the plot overall as you are i i guess i just find it a little bit refreshing that it's um it's a shorter time frame Mm -hmm. intentionally i'm trying to think of what other oh schitt's creek is the example i was talking to someone about where like each tv each episode of schitt's creek is almost in real time Mm -hmm. not quite but like the episodes aren't like weeks and weeks the episodes are like one afternoon is the whole episode maybe like one weekend and i just i think that's why i found that show a little bit compelling is that for a sitcom Mm -hmm. it's it felt a little bit more almost like a mockumentary kind of thing Mm -hmm. um so I guess I appreciated that about the movie that it still felt like an like an epic movie with the feelings and the the songs and things, but you yeah. didn't have to have someone going on like a quest across the land. Yeah, to get see, that but what you're feeling. saying about it being like almost a compact timeline then feeds into my biggest complaint, which is how quickly things get wrapped up in the final act. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that now, or should um, we do I, something else first? I. That we gotta name. talk about a boy sometime. I showed you that meme. <laughs> I love all Disney, not you, grandmas. Yeah. Um, I it bothered me the first uh, time we watched the movie. I was mm-hmm. like, "There's a scene missing here, yeah. where she tries to run away, or yeah. where uh, something else happens, or there did feel like there was like something that got cut that like yeah. made it a little bit jarring of a jump at the end. Mm-hmm. The second time we watched it." Um, I didn't feel that way as much. The second time we watched it, I know you only kind of, I think you were working when um, our son and I watched it, but uh, the second time I watched it, I I got it a little bit more, I guess maybe because I wasn't expecting some sort of larger climax or finale. Um, It felt more natural the second time I watched it. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, having the expectation going in the second time, knowing that there wasn't like a huge conclusion, it, it... I was fine with it, mm-hmm. but I would agree with it the first time. They build it up a lot to be a, a giant thing that's going to happen, yeah. and then the climax is just a little bit quieter or more nuanced than I think I was expecting. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Um, so I guess it's a little bit of a letdown maybe the first time you're watching it, especially so. if it's been really, like, it's been very hyped. Yeah. Um, All right, should we talk about some characters, some songs? What do you want to do? Um... So I think we should talk about songs. Um, okay. I think we should do a little bit of like some song ranking or song commentary. And mm-hmm. I think the way that most of the songs are structured, I think that's going to just like lend to talking about characters as we talk about it. So, okay. Um, I think we should rank the songs. Hmm. They change place for me a lot, but I think my rankings right now are Surface Pressure, I think is still my favorite. Yeah. Um, I like like the... Lynn called it reggae. I don't know if I'd call it reggae, but I like the beat in it, and I relate to the message. <laughs> um, and it's fun to dance to. Uh, Way to Go to Miracle has really jumped up for mm-hmm. me. Okay. Um, it's a really good one to sing in the shower. Uh, what Else Can I Do is a fun one to sing and dance to. Mm-hmm. Um, Dos Orguitas is... Man, you're just burying Bruno. Is, I... <laughs> Bruno gets really stuck in my head. Uh-huh. It's fun to dance to, but I, it's not my like objectively favorite one. Okay. 
Seven foot. Once that part comes in, I'm. <laughs> Um, I mean, you know that I like to sing the beginning part. Mm-hmm. The wedding day bit is yeah. fun to go back and forth. I keep trying to get our son to like sing with me. He doesn't yeah. get it. Um, Dosa Regitas is very pretty, and I like singing to it. It's not very fun to dance to, and our son always wants to skip that one. Mariposa. I've also started to really enjoy the... I think the opening the number is solid. Me, the all of, all of Us, whatever that Which one is. One's the that? final, the finale. Oh, I really yeah. like... I like the finale better than the opening one. Hmm. The opening one gets stuck in my head in like an annoying way that yeah. I would like it to get out of my head. Okay. It is our son's favorite. The little wiggle that he does when the first mm-hmm. when the first notes come on is <laughs> fucking adorable. Um, that is absolutely his favorite one, and he thinks it's funny and he he loves that one. Um, I don't know. That wasn't yeah. a very solid. I don't have any thing. hot takes in that regard. Really, I just think when you're watching a movie for the first time and the surface. <clears throat> surface pressure comes on it's like one of the first numbers after after the opening number and you're like oh whoa yeah there's gonna be different styles and yeah and this is gonna also like advance the story so i think that's probably the best number overall just the most like impactful mm-hmm. in the movie i think i saw I think... some angry people on the internet talking about how disney musical numbers in this movie in particular are bad because of how fantastical thing i was just going to comment on that how about how i found that interesting in this in this movie yeah first of all those people are wrong because magical realism (laughs) magical realism is a very important part of of south american and latin american storytelling and i felt like this movie had a lot of that magical realism where you're like is she really throwing those things Mm -hmm. is she just imagining she's throwing those things um how much of their powers is actually real like I, I think if if it was, there if there were if it was set in a different place, then they might have more of an argument. I think that's the point. I think magical realism is Fair part enough. of the, part of the genre in that. Devil's area. advocate, you have been vanquished. Anyways, um, I was gonna say that I found that interesting. That in this movie, I think part of the reason that it, um. I don't want to say it felt slow, but, like, there wasn't a ton that happened, right? If you storyboard Mm -hmm. it, if you, like, literally, like, outline it, I mean. But so much of the action happens, like, in your mind, right? Or Mm. in some sort of fantastical sequence. Like, in in Let It Go, in um, Frozen, Mm -hmm. a lot of the songs, or in other Disney movies, the songs happen when they're going somewhere or doing something nothing really happens in these songs right a couple of big numbers it's just the sister telling the other sister something they're having a conversation yes the we let's talk about bruno's song Mm -hmm. is again just having a conversation conversation that's over the course of like an hour the surface pressure is a conversation that just turns kind of fantastical um the and has a lot of you know metaphors that are visually represented um, what a great way to teach metaphors that would be just turning my teacher brain on for a second I would love to use that to teach metaphors hmm. um, and then what else can I do is like a sisterly sequence that's half fantasy half real mm-hmm. um, you, you know what I mean though is that yep. a lot of them take place on such a small time scale that like nothing really happens it's it's the emotions that they're conveying and the conversations that they're conveying more so than like a physical journey yep. Um, obviously, as an older sister, surface pressure, it, there's a funny meme going around where, like, you're just kind of like, 
uh, it's like a reel or whatever the fuck the TikTok version of Instagram is. <laughs> Our newest segment, Heather describes <laughs> memes and their sources. But um, it's like uh, someone who looks basically like me, just like bopping along to the song. And as the song goes on, she's like slowing, slowing down. down and her face kind of falls. And then by the end, she's just like staring at a wall with a frown on her face <laughs> because the the this towards the end of it when it's like the line that's like give it to your sister and never wonder if the same pressure would have pulled you under like oof like some of those lines like they got me um and same thing with what else can i do is like a lot of stuff about like perfectionism sure and uh, i think anyone who struggles with anxiety or ocd or or depression even or any level of that can relate to the line that's like what would I what would I do if it didn't have to be perfect? It could just be <sighs> Right, that's the underlying theme of the movie is that this entire family just needs to go to therapy. Yes. The I mean the underlying theme is like the expectations that we have for ourselves and for others are mm-hmm. very damaging and unhelpful, especially when that's coming from like generational trauma from an elder who went through something horrible mm-hmm. and never really yeah, dealt with let's it. Let's get into characters now. Okay. I have very strong opinions about basically all of the characters. Okay, you go. Characters that I like. Um, I think I like M- Mirabelle. Sure. Is that her name? Yeah. Mirabelle. Um, yeah. I give Stephanie Beatriz a lot of credit. I did not know it was her. I'm very after. picky about my voice actors, especially when I can tell exactly who they are. And I struggle with her voice acting in some other movies. Hmm. And shows. We've talked about how in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, she, like, has some weird vocal choices. Yeah. Um, and even in um, in The Heights, I found her a little bit irritating. The accent she put on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think the character is fine as, in terms of being, like, a main protagonist. Um, I think my favorite, like, heart-wrenching scene is when... Antonio is heading to his door and he mm-hmm. and they go together and the flashback to you get a hint of what happened to her. I think that part is really well done. Especially cuz like the way that they kind of cut away from that to start the movie so yeah. you don't you think maybe oh it's just going to be uh left in the background you're going to have to kind of guess what happened and then the way that they pull that back in is yeah. is masterful. Um her dad no, I could take or leave him. Wilmer Valderrama. Um Okay, we need to talk about her mother because this woman deserves like her own movie and like she should be worshipped as like a freaking goddess. She's doing Jesus level shit (laughs) day in, day out in the kitchen. Every time her husband almost dies, she just makes him in a rapa. And she's like a bit, she's like a bit character in this movie. Yeah, she doesn't really do much aside from once in a while saying, Mama, you're being too hard on Mirabelle. Right, so this is my, this is my opinion of this movie and its characters like mama is like a superhero and same with louisa like those two compared to everybody else in the family stand out like they are freaking carrying you Louisa's, literally Louisa's my girl too yeah. i love her so yeah those two i just laugh to myself because of how like unbalanced the powers are and i'm just like those two are ridiculous well the one that i argue was talking about the other day is um isabella yeah like she just makes flowers she could be growing fucking corn she should like, be the entire she, farm she, industry she, yes, for the town she yes. could have all of just be growing them food all the time and she just grows right roses and i admit and the first time mile. you watch it you go wow yeah look at all these powers and then as i'm thinking about it in the days after i'm like 
some of these are not really like superpowers they're more like tricks um my my biggest issue with the characters is the is the aunt the tia mm. who controls the weather but she doesn't really it's just it's just a description of her mood uh i interpreted it differently hmm. i interpreted it that that she can consciously control the weather but she struggles with her mental health and Correct. then the, it gets away from her but okay yeah no i completely agree but is there any scene where she helps the town with weather using weather using her power it looked pretty sunny all the time so yeah i just i agree that they used that um motif to kind of give her a deeper character because yeah. she is clearly struggling with different facets of mental health but claiming that all of the powers help the town, I, I disagree with. I think Camilos was the only one that really didn't help the town. Yeah. They tried to show him, like, shape-shifting into a baby's mom so that the mom could get some rest. Why was he always turning into the weird baby on big shoulders? I didn't get because that. Because their powers were were. That's when it was on the fritz. Okay. Yeah. yeah, like I said, he has my favorite line in any of the songs when he jumps into the Bruno song, but, yeah, the shape-shifting has I, never seemed more useless. The first movie, I didn't really care about The first time I watched it, I didn't really care about it. Yeah. The second time I watched it, I was like, oh, he's being like the older male cousin. Oh, yeah, Like definitely. So I kind of got his role a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I mean, Anton- Antonio's is the coolest, and I think it's a cool way to show that, that, it, your dream, that it is... Ever since I've read Wild Magic, Tamar Pierce, it's been my dream. Um, I think it was a cool way to show that it's like seems to be something that they already have an affinity for, that their power then... Um, you know, um, make stronger. Right. So like, Dolores must have been a little bit of a gossip, and so that yeah. she. Oh right, forgot to talk about Dolores. So she, I'm still pissed at her that she knew Bruno was there the whole time and she didn't help him. I don't know if that's clearly stated. At but the end, she says, "Talk about people who would struggle with mental health. If you could hear everything in your town at all times, yeah, like in your house, you live in a giant house with your, your parents house. and yeah. your aunts and uncle and your, like, oof, um." I like poor Bruno was the, I mean I know that he's like the most maligned character mm-hmm. and has like the the toughest the shortest straw but oh. like he didn't even do anything wrong okay. the whole I gotta song. Run there we'll just pause one second I gotta say I gotta give a shout out to my T.O. Felix is it <laughs> Felix he is exactly the kind of fat guy that I wish I could be like his clothes are like tailored for the way he for dances a, for his a voice fat man in sings. a warm environment and he just, I love that vibe compared to the dad. Like, totally different vibes for me. Okay, Bruno. Struggle with Bruno's character because I hate prophecies so fucking much. I know, babe. After sitting through four Matrix movies where they <laughs> literally each time go, let's talk about free will. There's no conversation to have about free will. It's one question. Yes or no? Yes, you have free will? Okay, then your prophecy doesn't, it's not a prophecy. No, it is a prophecy. Okay, then we know what's going to happen. But There's no the other nuance. The interplay between the two of them is interesting. Oh, it's of, absolutely not. It is of like what, what of your like how much of it was your choices that brought you there, and how much of that is your destiny that but brought you there? It's a yes there? or a no. No, it's not. Okay, whatever. Um, so yes, so Bruno's power is that he has visions of the future. Okay. First thing, can we talk about the? first stanza of the song well the whole point of the whole song is that none of those things were his are fault bad. 
None of okay, them were I his fault. I still don't get the wedding one, especially when he comes back to explain it. He thought they were hot, so he wanted no, to upset no, her no, to no, make no, it no, rain? No, 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 no. Looked like you were sweating. He, she looked like she was stressed. Uh-huh. So he was he was trying to make a joke, like, oh, it looks like it might rain, because she looked stressed. So it was a joke. It was a badly timed joke. Got it. He claims he was trying to like make her feel better, like, oh, it looks like it might rain. Like, it's not a big deal if it rains. Be- uh-huh. Like, if you're upset, you're allowed to be upset. Your feelings are valid. And instead, she took it as a premonition that it was going to rain, and then that freaked her out. Yeah. But all of them, the fish was going to die. I was going to get fat. I was going to lose my hair. None of those. Well, I think that's the any, point of that part of the song. But I'm, I'm saying the whole song is like that. Okay. It's a quibble. But anyways, so, so yeah, I get that they have to create. I mean, you know that Bruno's not gone the way they talk about him. Even in the opening number, like he's not, he's not gone. He's going to come into the movie sure, at yeah, some yeah. point. Sure, yeah, yeah, he's not dead or something. Um, but, and I get it that he has to be broken down so that he can be built back up at the end but i would not have a minute of patience for this family if they literally kicked you out for for a power that you didn't even ask for well that's they didn't kick him out he ran away okay yeah um but he ran away because of how shitty they made him feel right um and he claims that he ran away to protect Mirabelle because he saw what they did to him and he didn't want her to have the same like stigma yeah um that he felt like I guess he that's had. an important delineation is whether he was exiled by them or vol- somewhat voluntarily I mean somewhere in between I think he right. chose to leave So that's what it comes down to me at the end is just the fact that he when he shows up when Abuela and Mirabelle are at the at like the where the end game happens and he shows up with the horse and like bruno's like nervous like he's not sure how they're gonna react like bruno dude you don't gotta be nervous at that point he was nervous because he was trying to take the fall for mirabelle yeah that was what was happening was that he thought abuela was gonna like kick mirabelle out yeah so he he came to say it was my fault it wasn't Mm -hmm. mirabelle's fault and then and that's why the hug is so surprising yeah because he's trying to go and take the fall yeah, I still think he's too good of a soul to just accept that hug and and let the past well, be the past. Well, he's been a little bit brainwashed. Yeah, living with rats for... No, even before that, like, by the family saying that, like, all their gifts have to be helpful and every single yeah. thing they do has to help everybody. And, like, not all the gifts are like that. And, yeah. like, every second of every day you can't be helping another person. Okay, you helped me through that. I... I... I've toned down my opinions then. The second watch helped a little bit okay. for me. Um, I saw a poll on Instagram the other day, and you already kind of answered yours of what part makes you cry the most. Mm-hmm. You said the Antonio scene, which was, yeah. which was a common answer. I um, need you. Mine. And, like, what a moment for Mirabelle where she has to, like, put herself... She knows like, her family's going to kind of be annoyed that she's coming out there, but, but she's like, like I have to so do it. so sad but... like, seven years old. And the whole family's like, oh, if she walks with him, she's probably going to ruin it again. Yeah. Um, I do love Mirabelle. Um, I, my tear, you know my tearjerker scene is when the whole, the whole town shows up. I'm such a sucker for that <laughs> moment. It gets me every time. Oh, this whole... you're loaded and the whole town comes and it's like they don't but the, the, the family doesn't have to be perfect like the town is is like helping them like they help the town like that whole town would have been fucking killed by the soldiers if uh-huh. it wasn't for the, the miracle and the, the next part that makes me cry mm-hmm. 
is um, we see how brave you've been to Mirabelle. Mm-hmm. The end, like the second, that whole song makes me cry. <laughs> but like towards the end of that song, when they give her the doorknob and it says like, we, uh, we see how bright you burn. We see how brave you've been. I'm going to cry just talking about it. Because like the whole movie, like basically everyone's just like blaming her for messing everything up. Yeah. And then at the end they say, we see how brave she's been to fix mm-hmm. everything. And then the last part that makes me cry <laughs> is also in that song well two parts in the song i know you hate abuela but when she says um the miracle is you Mm -hmm. not your gifts just you that part makes me cry and also (laughs) when the side to that is when bruno says you're the real gift kid let us in Mm -hmm. he tried to protect her and he ran away and he's like the best too good for this world and this Um, family one of my big issues with the movie is like is, is he gonna get a family they talk about like how everyone else has a family and like each of the kids has three kids and then bruno is just so sad yeah that's what got to me after the first watch because i was just like oh yeah the weird uncle i could see why he would go away and then when i was like abuela that's one of the three children that they show you in the flashbacks yes. about how much you it's one of your three babies protected them over everything else like you can't let that happen you can't yeah. lady and then none of them even seem sad that Bruno's gone. They all just like have like let this myth live on that he yeah, like, ruined Yeah, I, I think that is a deficient uh, a deficiency of the movie is that they lean too much into we got to create the Bruno mystique about and maybe make you think he's the villain because right that's what everyone talks yeah. about this movie is that there is no villain. Abuela is sort of the villain, but yeah. she's not, and they act like Bruno's going to be the villain. And there's no there's no love interest either for correct for me or um, Mariano. So yeah, I think they should have dropped more hints early on that people were like torn about what happened with bruno i think that bruno needed a reconciliation song somehow i think there should have been like a sibling older sibling song the the parents song or something because they i mean they forgive him very quickly but like he shouldn't have been apologizing at all they should have been they didn't they never really apologized to him they just said don't worry when he had his plate too i did cry on that yeah yeah very sad okay babe i think we covered all the bases oh i feel like i have something else to say now and i don't remember did i forget any characters i don't think so you helped me with the family tree i'm still a little bit confused by i struggled it, too that first song was a little too fast for me it is yeah i saw them say they were trying to make it like bell from beauty and the beast yeah. where like they walk around and see the whole town but it was a little quick yeah. for me the first time we watched it the biggest misconception i had from that first song was i thought there were gay brothers that came in Uh because it says two guys fell in love with the family madrigal and they she pushes like her dad and her uncle together (laughs) so i thought like somehow a gay couple was part of their family and i could not figure it out and like later in the movie i was like oh it's the dad and the uncle (laughs) so the way they say two guys fell in love something something family yeah. madrigal so i thought like two men fell in love so mm-hmm. i don't know i was i thought it was you're gonna tell the podcast line. universe about the the uh trivia that i taught you about colombian i was spanish? gonna say you taught yeah. me something about colombian spanish so um there's a line in the movie where the dad says Miercoles. and i was like why is he saying wednesday yeah. uh i just assumed it was kind of like an obscure curse word or something and then you told me what it actually means well you said there's a a swear word actually is mierda yeah how you say shit in spanish is mierda right so yeah apparently it's what they use like you said in place of like fudge or right so if, like shut the front door <laughs> yeah um see you next tuesday yeah 
Um, there you go. That's probably the equivalent. See you next Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> true. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did not catch. I caught him saying miércoles the second time. And I was like, why is he saying miércoles? And then I was like, when you told me that, I was like, ah, mierda. It's the same mm-hmm. first two syllables. Okay, babe. I would just wanted to say one more thing about my mm. favorite song, Surface Pressure, which is that um, it's very cool to have, like, not a princess, but, like, a Disney woman song be such a low register. Mm. I think I watched one YouTube video saying they think it's actually, like, the lowest, like, a princessy type song has gone in terms mm-hmm. of, like, she's an alto, alto and has, like, a lower register voice and a more, like masculine range of singing yeah. um, and I the woman who actually sings it looks nothing like Louisa but mm-hmm. she's like such a badass she's really cool um, so I, I love that there's a Disney princessy type character who's like really muscly and like not even masculine she wears like a ribbon in her hair and like mm-hmm. skirts and everything but she's just like very strong and there's no comments made about um no one like makes fun of her for like being muscly or anything like that like it's it's always seen as like a positive yeah that she is so strong and whatnot and um i really appreciated that because i think disney disney movies I, I know they've moved away from it a little bit but they do have like the stereotype of being like very very like quote-unquote girly yeah um so i appreciated that this movie even flipped the script a little bit with Isabella as well of that she didn't want to just be like girly all the time and throwing flowers and whatever like she had more interesting things inside of her than that yep I still don't my quibble with the movies I still don't really understand if Mirabelle has a gift or not yeah you seem really hung up on that she didn't get a door but she had like the doorknob to open. So in the new house, is she still sleeping in the nursery, or does she I have like her own door? I like your theory that she had the most connection to the house. I noticed that from the beginning of the movie that like yeah. the house kind of helps everybody else, but like she like talks to the house the most. Yeah. And like the the the, the first song actually opens with her going drawers, floors, door. Um, yeah. So I right. kind of think that her magic is like the house and the family like she has some sort of like household or family magic Mm -hmm. um because the whole point is that she's the only one that brings the family back together and like helps them see who they really are and understands that something's wrong like she's the most like you know empathetic out of all of them but yeah i just couldn't figure that out at the end if she i mean she kind of had the house magic because she's the one who like brought the house back to being magical although if i was those town people i would be fucking pissed if i built that house with my bare hands and then the magic came back <laughs> at the end um Ooh, lay down your fucking load <laughs> okay babe i gotta cut you off because it's almost okay. bedtime okay when you figure out what mirabelle's gift is we'll record a I, special if someone can tell me i'd appreciate it it bothers me i'll just google what is mirabelle's gift she's the gift is is the miracle is her this is all of them i know but like what's her special thing all right tell the people what book we're talking about so we're talking about um kind of a christmasy book it's it's set at christmas time i don't know that i'd call it like a traditional like cliche christmas book yeah um but the book is called seven days of us it's a book that i had on my radar from last year um and I started reading it last year, and the book is basically set during a global pandemic mm-hmm. um, where the character is stuck with her family, 
and someone in her family gets diagnosed with cancer. That was way too close to home for me last year when we got stuck here away from our family. And I was mm-hmm. like, I cannot read a book about someone complaining about being near their family right now. When like, <laughs> That was really bad time. All I wanted is to be near my family for that first COVID Christmas. Yeah. So I was like, can't do it. Like self-care reasons, mental health reasons. I cannot read this book right now. So I put it aside. I almost didn't even read it this year. And then, bec- and we almost fucking didn't get to see our families again this year. It was my fucking appendix burst. Or almost burst. So, anyways, I eventually did start reading it, um, like on a, on our way out to see our family. I think around Christmas time, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, this book is not what I thought it was going to be," and I really enjoyed it. The book is set during a fictional <laughs> pandemic um, that is not actually very similar to COVID. It's more similar to Ebola, or um, yeah, I guess Ebola is the most yeah. similar one I can think of, um, or like maybe like bird flu or swine flu or something like that but Mm uh and the one of the main characters olivia has just been volunteering as like a doctor abroad and comes home to stay with her family but they all have to quarantine for two weeks or Mm -hmm. no for a week um to make sure she doesn't have any symptoms of this made-up virus and each family member kind of has some secrets or some baggage that that they're bringing into this quarantine and then they're all stuck together yeah, in a, this house. Yeah, it's an ensemble cast is the tag that I often use in book digits where um, you don't really have a lead character and in this case you have rotating perspectives. Yeah. Uh, all third person, I think, but there's like at least five or six different narrators. Yeah, and it's set from like the 24th to the 31st or whatever. So it's set that week very between British. Christmas and New Year's. It's very British. You have the one kind of fish out of water character point of view and mm-hmm. the rest of them are all a very like traditionally White British, British yeah. family. Um, this it book surprised me a little bit. I guess I thought it was a little bit more Christmassy rom-commy and mm-hmm. it's very much not. It is very much a family drama. You kept saying it's quite literary. It's quite literary. Well, Compared to the other books that I was reading that are like Hallmark movies made into yeah. made into a book. It's like a whole different genre. It's a whole different genre. So this one I was like, oh, it's actually written like, I don't want to say like a real book, but it, it was more written as literature if you're going to go this mm-hmm. with the slider, the old school sliders yeah. on book digits, <laughs> um, where it was more written as like a fully fleshed out family drama story and yeah. not like a Christmas tree farm meet cute. Story. Yeah, so I'll, I'll finish up the rest of the cast, sure. right? So you have Olivia, who is the doctor now with a border. Um, <laughs> you have the parents, mm-hmm. Emma and... just had his name pulled Andrew. up. Andrew. Andrew, yeah, Emma and Andrew. And the other sister is Phoebe. I think she's the younger sister. Phoebe is engaged to George with Oof. middling success on that and yeah. then you have jesse who is the long lost unknown illegitimate child illegitimate child of andrew so uh they each have like a secret they bring to it mm-hmm. um the andrew's secret the dad is that he had an affair with this woman that yep. produced this child who he didn't know about till bef- a little bit before the the Correct. setting of the book but not not a ton mm-hmm. um and then you have the mom who just found out she is diagnosed with cancer and doesn't want to tell her family because she, she doesn't want to ruin Christmas. She's very, like, stereotypical, um, like, a uh, homemaker kind yeah, of uh, of mom in this situation. And then you have Olivia, who's kind of, like, 
the world's collapsing around me. Right. Her secret is that she you can't right. know that she was romantically involved her, with another doctor. Yeah, her there. secret is that she was not like quarantining like she was supposed or isolating like she was supposed to be while she was there. She had an affair or a relationship with one of the other doctors. I don't know if Phoebe has a secret, really. Her secret is that she doesn't really want to be married to George. Yeah. And that she hates her sister at the beginning at least. Yeah. Um so yeah, it it's And then you have w- Jesse who doesn't yeah. really have I guess his secret is that he shows up there. He he shows right. up in It's England, a little bit of a, I don't know, people say mental gymnastics, plot gymnastics, I don't know what the equivalent is, like yeah. to get them all in the same place, like and you know from the premise of like what the gimmick is going to be, so it's fine. But I was going to say though, I thought this book um w- something I struggle with in books and movies is that like I've read enough and watched enough and I tend to like kind of guess what's going to happen next and then it it I don't I don't like that that I've guessed it because either I guess right and I'm disappointed that it was that obvious mm-hmm. or I guess wrong and I like my own idea better than whatever the author did yeah. um and I think that's part of the reason I don't like thrillers and mysteries and things also it's because like I either guess it right and I'm disappointed or I guess it wrong and I don't like the actual answer but um I thought this book had a good balance for me of like laying enough like groundwork that nothing there wasn't anything that I was like where the fuck did that come from yeah but I also didn't necessarily guess each twist and turn because it was almost such kind of like we were talking about with Encanto because it was almost such like low stakes and a lot of just like interpersonal things Mm -hmm. uh the author like surprised me enough because there wasn't like one obvious plot track there was like yeah almost like no a plot and like six b plots correct to the point that like i I never quite knew which way she was gonna zig or zag or which you're saying that's a positive it was a positive for me reading it it was a more interesting reading experience for me i think so um because i never quite knew like which storyline was going to pop up next or which character was going to have their revelation at which point right you knew kind of the strands but yeah you didn't know exactly when or how they were going yeah, to yeah i didn't know how the author was going to get there and like yeah. how how and when different things were going to be revealed and some of them were done differently than i expected but i wasn't disappointed by them yeah to my credit the biggest twist at the end i did i did see coming um, what I, I didn't see coming, which should have been more obvious, is that every time an outside character, like, got close to the house, it didn't click for me that, like, oh, shoot, they're going to be stuck in the house yes. now. I was just always like, oh, so oh, yeah, they're stuck that. there now. <laughs> um, yeah, I was very anxious about that. I, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I did kind of guess the ending. Mm-hmm. I thought I guessed the ending. And then the author did something differently. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that's the ending. And then she zigged back. And I was like, fuck, yeah, I knew it. So there's she, a double twist. There's yeah. a double twist. So I thought I guessed, I guessed part of the ending. And I thought I guessed one thing. And then she faked me out a little bit. Yeah. Um, I thought, just talking about characters a little bit. George's uh, spoilers, I guess, from here on out. Um, before we get into the characters, would you recommend this book to people? Yeah, I recommended I it to a, you. It's a light, it's a light read, I think. Despite what you're saying before, like I, I kind of breezed through it. It's a lighter read compared to like books across the year. Sure, it has a little bit more depth than your typical yeah, like yeah. holiday I gotcha. read. Mm-hmm. Um, I recommended it to you just because I, I don't know, I mostly I just wanted someone to talk to about it because <laughs> I, I had a lot of feelings as I was reading it, but I also thought that you might like it as a holiday book that's not quite so like trite. Yeah. I read it after Christmas, and you said it had kind of that 
post Christmas heading to New Year's New Year's Eve vibe. So yes, because they all are just kind of stuck together, waiting out that weird time period between Christmas and and New Year's, and right. I think it does hit some of the things we've talked about too. I'm just so done with the bad dad tropes. Like, talk mm-hmm. about, to bring it back to the beginning with that Christmas in Angels movie. Yeah. Like, just the dad who's, like, so consumed by his job and, like, has forgotten how to love as a husband. Yeah. Doesn't have any... That's just, like, it's like come a toxic on. masculinity kind of thing, but it's, it's yeah, a little yeah. bit overdone. Anyways. Um, what was I going to say? I don't know. I think we covered a lot of what I... My opinions of the book. I think I gave it a solid B. I gave it a B plus or an A minus. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because I just like didn't quite know what to expect. And I, it it surprised me in a, in a good way that I enjoyed yeah. it more than I thought. Um, the format is used effectively, which it, it should get I was going to say that, that, especially if you're like in your 20s or 30s, I think it also does hit a lot of those good points of like... The kind of like rote um going through the motions of some of like your holiday your like yep. childhood traditions mm-hmm. and how to navigate that balance between like wanting to do some of those traditions but also like they're not really the same anymore and, and it's one of my strongest opinions is that adult families without children are just like awkward like it's just not it's not you know what i mean like, yes i'm just yeah. like I was just gonna say, not to shame anyone's choices. You absolutely oh, don't definitely. need to like have. I just children, meant at a certain age where you're still with the people who you were with when you were five there's years no old. New blood. There's no new blood. Exactly. Get a dog. <laughs> Honestly, or a cat, or a bunny, or something. Um, in terms of, so I guess spoilers from here on out. Um, characters. George is the fucking worst. Yeah, and are we supposed to excuse it because he's unsure no. about his sexuality? No. Okay, just making sure. I couldn't get the author's need, vibe exactly. He doesn't. If if he's unsure about it, he didn't need to propose and like go that far yeah. down into it. And the way he leaves her is really shitty too. Yeah. Um, Jesse is the one I'm most ambivalent about. He was a little bit of of a nothing character to me. Correct. Yeah. I think he was the least fleshed out and the most plot devicey. Yep, I think that's fair. Um, I think he was kind of there to force along some of the reveals and less to be like his own person like yeah if he's not there then that's like 150 pages out of the book cut because you you lose his story and you lose Andrew's story basically yeah so I struggled a little bit with him because at the at first I was kind of interested in him and then I was like okay they're gonna like go like the gay angle and something's gonna happen and then he's the second half of the book he's kind of just there right he and george have a moment and i was like okay this is far-fetched but if it's a love triangle i'm sort of here for it, and they don't even lean into it so it's no. just kind of like eh. yeah um so he was kind of meh for me um phoebe i thought was I one phoebe of the was more interesting favorite. characters she was not my favorite i kind of thought she's she was a little a bratty basic bitch but like She's trying. Like, she's, like, she, she can't help it. Like, she's been set up to be a basic bitch. Yeah, she's bratty, and that's the yeah. way she was raised. Um, I found her, I didn't particularly like her. Like, I don't think I'd want to, like, hang out with her. No. But I found hers interesting because I think the author did manage to make her both likable and unlikable. Like, she's kind of relatable, but at other times you're like, girl, what are you doing? And at other <laughs> times you're like, yeah, she's right. Like, Talk about people just following uh, societal norms, like just getting married because she thinks that's what the next stage in her life has to be. 
I also I found the mom the funniest to read, I think. Yeah. Um I didn't always like necessarily agree with like her points of view or things, but I just found her very comforting to read in some ways. She mm-hmm. was just such a mom. Yeah. And I found her like funny uh to read. Yeah, she did have some good good chapters for sure. Um the dad was fine. Mm-hmm. I think his chapters were maybe the most well written. I kind of liked the narrative tone of his chapters because mm-hmm. he was supposed to be like a writer and very serious Correct. and writing so restaurant I, reviews, but yeah. he used to cover the war. So I kind of liked his tone. I think he could have been a little bit better fleshed out. Yeah. Um, but I I kind of liked his chapters. Olivia was a little bit annoying for me. I related yeah, to her, she's but she not was really whiny. She was another one who was a little bit more of a plot device than a character. They kind yeah. of needed her to for the setup and needed her for the big reveal at the end. And in between, it was just a lot of her, like, being sad and yeah. maybe sick. Um, so I think, like, the best storylines were actually between the mom, the dad, and the sister. Correct. Theirs were the most solid. Whereas I think Olivia and Jesse sometimes verged a little too far into uh, moving the plot versus being their own yeah. people. All I'll say to wrap up is that I'm so glad I've never written anything related to a pandemic because I would just feel so icky about it now. Yes. Like, how weird that this came out in 2017. So it's a couple years. Like, there was a couple other books that I've read where it was like only one year before. Did you ever read Station Eleven? No. Me neither. But it's Um, pandemic. Just spooky. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I liked the book. I'm glad you didn't hate it. Um, as you mentioned, you did hate some of my other recommendations mm-hmm. from this past year. Um, mostly I'm just glad that you read it so we could talk about it because I felt like I had things to say about the book and I, I we need some podcast material. It. We did. We're a little bit desperate for it. Cersei's coming up, people. Oh. Buckle your buckle your butts. <sighs> okay. I just don't get how people could love that book. Don't, like love don't it. Save it, babe. This has already been super long. Save it for the podcast. Our biggest debate, maybe we'll have to put it up to a vote when we when we do the Cersei one is do I keep that book or not? Hmm. It's, it's a beautiful, a beautiful book. cover. Beautiful with Let's the underneath the cover. Week, yeah, we'll save it. Um <laughs> upcoming stuff. Mm-hmm. I just have I was just gonna say two basic things. I basically forced you to pre order two books for me. Yeah. Um and I'm excited for them. Um I kiss Shara Wheeler by Casey, is Casey She's McQuiston's next prolific, one. Yeah. She's um it's her first YA. The other ones have been kind of new adult or adult. News to me. Um <laughs> and uh she had a really poignant yeah, I guess Instagram. there's a lot of blow well, there's blowjobs in YA now, right? Where's if, the if, line? If, you're, if you're talking about fairy princes or whatever, Sarah J. Mass. Yeah. Um she had a really poignant Instagram post today about like how basically dark of a place she was in when she started writing writing red white and royal blue mm-hmm. and how like shitty her life had been and she kind of was like well i might as well try this because it can't get any worse mm. and not one of those like it'll get better turn it around like she phrased it really nicely so if you have instagram you should go check out her post today okay. um but her her newest book coming out the the barnes and noble special edition just got me the colors. Yeah, you're really invested in this. I'm a little bit annoyed that it's hardcover when her other two books were only ever released in paperback. <sighs> that is a big thing for you. It's a problem. But the she beautiful, got a real deal this time. light purple. It's going to be signed, I think. I really hope I pick the right one. <laughs> is it purple? I don't know. Um, I may have forgotten the coupon and bought the wrong I'm book. I'm pretty sure you forgot the coupon, but I hope you got the right book. Okay. 
Um, and Kiss and Tell is the other one by Adib Karam, his newest mm-hmm. one. I'm a little worried because I read a, my first book of this year was um, it's called If This Gets Out, and it has kind of a similar premise, and I didn't really like If This Gets Out. So I'm hoping Adib Karam's will be a little bit better, but I'm a little worried that I kind of like already read a very similar book. But Okay. Um, those are my pre-ordered books. Sounds good. And that's what you have for upcoming? I didn't think about it. Uh, before we started recording so that's all i've got for now fair enough um and i want to go see the new spider-man movie which is not upcoming anymore it's past coming but you keep you still don't know stop (laughs) i don't know and i don't want to know and i'm hoping i've gone enough past the movie that i won't find out um but i just don't know when we're gonna watch it because we haven't been to the theaters in forever yep it's the right one it's the purple cover it says bn exclusive on it yeah god yeah i got it for you yeah, I just Happy Valentine's Day, lovers. Who knows? We might have another podcast before then. That's it's cold. Optimistic of you. Yeah. It is cold. There's not much else to do. All right, um, kids. If I freeze tomorrow night, we never. hope you listen to this on at least 1.25 speed. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. I mean, if we only do it once a month, we might as well have it be four That's hours each. True. Right? It's still, the same amount of content. content. Hashtag yeah. content. Um, stay warm or stay cool if you're in Australia. Um, we should pull this podcast off of Spotify. Can we? Yeah. I'll think about it. Okay. Think about it. <laughs> um, this podcast did not contain any COVID misinformation, mm-hmm. uh, as far as we know. Um, maybe next time we talk, we'll have some COVID um, little kid news, the vaccines. Okay. Uh, stay warm. Stay cool. Stay safe. Peace out, friends. See you.